0: welcome to the content minds my name is ryan broderick and i'm the new kid at the anime high school and i have gray hair and a mysterious secret
1: uh i am luke and i am not involved in the anime high school because that sounds weird
0: okay well when when i get asked to pilot the mech because i'm the only kid in the school that knows how to do it don't come crying to me i I
1: won't because you'll die because that's how this goes
0: Uh, this week we are talking about
1: the election. <laughs> the US election. Yeah, you said like there aren't other elections in the world. There are actually a lot of other elections in the world.
0: I know, I know. I know. So we are talking about the US election, um, which is a fairly big deal. Uh, we have kind of ignored it <laughs> <laughs> on this show up until now. And it feels like that was a good decision. Um, but now we're gonna we're gonna talk about it because I think
1: Yeah, I've I've put all my energy into actually running a newsletter about it for reasons I can't figure out. But explaining twenty twenty at Substack. No, at Substack, dot substack. Jesus. Dot dot substack. substack. Yeah. Uh
0: how is that going? How's your how's your election newsletter going?
1: It's it's great. Like everyone who reads it is really is a big fan of <laughs> both of them.
0: Uh yeah, I mean I don't like newsletters or read them, <laughs> uh, but I'm sure yours is great. I definitely am not a huge newsletter evangelist. I want to talk about a lot of stuff with the election today. But first, I have a question for you because I saw this tweet before the show today. And I was like, I need you to explain to me what's happening here. So this is the tweet. Uh, okay. Please explain to me and our audience what is going on in this.
1: All right. So the tweet from Trumpet Sexy or Sexy trumpet, which you know that's that's a great Twitter handle, so my local morrison's uh a supermarket in the u k is selling actual sacks of wet eggs. This is the most wretched and cursed <laughs> item I' have ever witnessed um, and then there are two pictures of what are very distinctly yeah they're they're wet eggs um. Uh, there are there are bags, and there are blue bags, and there's probably, I don't know, like 20, <laughs> 25 wet eggs in each of them. They're not wet. There's so many eggs in these bags. What's weird about it is also that there is a label on it that says five boiled eggs. Oh, oh, I actually do know what's happening here. I figured this out. <laughs> what well, So this? what it is.
0: Why why is, so I have never seen, in all my years in the UK, I never saw a bag of no, wet this No, this is, you're not anyway. supposed
1: to. This is. This is behind the scenes. So what this is what? is obviously like they don't boil the eggs themselves in the back of Morrison's because that would be ridiculous. They boil them in a central kettle. I don't know, um, like a central a central boiling spot, like a prep food spot, and then put them in, in in liquid which keeps them moist, and then they bring them out and put them into bags. Like if you've been to a British supermarket, you will know that they they serve a lot of snacks. You know, there's there's you know there's there's bits of like there's a pepper army which is a form of. Um, It's like an animal that's been crushed and like hardened, and then you eat it. (laughs) It's not.
0: It's it's Are you describing? Are you describing like a pepperoni stick? Is that what you're describing? Like it's worse. Okay.
1: Yeah. Uh, There's a lot of flapjacks. They're big on flapjacks, which makes sense. Flapjacks are delicious, but not your flapjacks are flapjacks.
0: Your flapjacks are good, which are kind of like. Uh,
1: like a cereal bar sort Yeah, it's like of a cereal it's bar, like, but like glued together with honey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah they're good. So they're really what good. this is, is why there is a sack of wet eggs, is that they've done the prep for it. They've sent it out. <laughs> and what you're supposed to do when they arrive is take them out and put them into like e- either plastic containers or, 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 or <laughs> you know, I think they're all plastic containers. But like you can buy in British supermarkets like two hard-boiled eggs to eat as a snack.
0: Yeah, I mean, yes, uh, you can buy snackable
1: eggs at various places right. in the UK. That and is what they have thing. got confused with here is whoever has been dealing with this has got these because you can see another label behind them saying prep hard boiled eggs. What they've done is they've they've looked at it and gone like I don't understand what these are, and they've found the closest label they can, which is five boiled eggs. So they're selling these enormous, like basically prep sacks of eggs, which you're you're supposed to get to a supermarket <laughs> and then divvy up into little snack containers. And they've just gone like, I assume this goes on here, despite the fact there's clearly thirty to thirty five eggs in the sack. They've gone the there's so the closest thing to this bag. is a label that says five boiled eggs for a pound, which also is a great deal.
0: It is. I mean, that is a good deal. Um, and the fact that like. In the photo, there's one, at least seven bags, each with thirty eggs yeah. in them. That's a lot of eggs. And the
1: British eat a lot of eggs. You guys do eat a lot of eggs. And we just love we love a cold, hard boiled egg, a cold boiled egg. I don't even know. I yeah, they're not warm. They're,
0: well, they're like room temperature eggs. They're in you know, the they're fridge like section,
1: a... so they're they're cool, the chilled eggs. <laughs>
0: <laughs> they're chilled, chilled egg. wet egg. Well, I'm gl- I'm glad we got to the bottom of that. Um, all right. <laughs> Well, that we've <laughs> we've gotten to the bottom of that mystery. Let's talk about um, another wet egg. I want Joe Biden. Let's talk about the most famous wet egg of all, Joe Biden. I want to talk about the election, but I want to specifically talk about a thing from the last election, which I feel like is useful to talk about for this election, which is Pokemon Go to the polls.
1: I don't know who created Pokemon Go. But I'm trying to figure out how we get them to have Pokemon go to the polls. It's great. Like, what? A, what a catchy slogan.
0: So, Luke, what was when when Hillary Clinton said the phrase "Pokemon go to the polls" four years ago? What was your sort of general impression there? What, what were you? I sort thought of this thinking? is a
1: 65 year old woman who doesn't understand what people are saying to her and is desperately trying to appeal to people. Maybe that's bad, but that's that's also politics. Like. I don't understand why you think Hillary Clinton, who is very busy and many, many reasons to dislike her, but the fact that she doesn't know what Pokemon Go is suggests that she is is doing a a real job.
0: Well, I mean, I don't even think it proves that she doesn't know what Pokemon Go is. I mean, there's nothing in that that actually says that she doesn't know what... I mean, you could play Pokemon Go at a polling station.
1: I think I might have in 2017.
0: But I think in a lot of ways it became like a really useful catch-all for thinking about how the democratic party in America tries to like, or how the democratic party just does not understand like this, the seriousness of what's going on maybe, or like, or it's like, it's like a perfect way of summing up like the out of touchness of the modern democratic party. Right, maybe
1: but It's definitely a way of summing up the out of touchness of the modern democratic party, because you know, they ran a, I'm guessing our age, but what, 66, 67? Like, they ran an old woman for it, and they're now running an even older man for it. Like, that's what they're doing. That's weird. That's that's a bad, like, political thing. And also, to compare this to the UK, uh, Jeremy Corbyn was uh, 69 when he left the Labour Party. Uh, nice. And he was repeatedly, like, called essentially too old, and it was like, this is ridiculous, he's so old, this cannot work. Like, there were stories going around, there was there was one, actually, there was one weekend when someone published a story that was like, these civil servants say that he's so old that he can't, like, walk and stuff. And I live around the corner from Jeremy Corbyn, and that same weekend I saw him in home base picking up a load of, like, heavy plant pots. And I was like, oh, he seems <laughs> fine, I don't know what they're talking about, like, he's not a man who is, like, like frail but like that is kind of the age in the uk like if you're getting 65 60 65 70 everyone's like i mean you're not gonna be prime minister now you're done you're out and the fact that people that age are considered fine in america is
0: pretty weird to be honest it is weird i mean our president is a demented old man and the guy now running against him is like possibly also a demented old man but
1: a genial demented old man so it's fine
0: yeah well he's nice um My dad, who is the same age roughly as both Trump and Biden, um, thinks what's happening to Biden is elder abuse and that they should just (laughs) stop. Uh, And he gets like really upset when he sees Biden on the TV and he just mutters to himself and he's like – it's a shame what they're doing to him. He's such a nice guy. He, they shouldn't be doing this to him. And like, part of me agrees with that. But I want to, I want to, I want to stay on twenty sixteen yeah. for a second. I guess like, what I, what I found really, what I find really interesting when thinking about twenty sixteen to twenty twenty is if you surveyed the landscape of twenty sixteen, it was, it's considered like, you know, this historic turning point in like political culture around the world and all this stuff. But actually, nothing really seems to have changed. Um, in the way that like the Democratic Party seems to be operating, they're running an old person and they're like not really kind of like tapping into like the big things that matter right now. Um, and like they don't seem to be really taking Trump seriously somehow, even though he's like still like he's already president and they're not really taking him what I would feel like as seriously as he needs to be taken politically. I, know think, what I, mean? I think
1: there's something really interesting about the, the idea that twenty. 20- 16 was kind of an aberration if it happens again then there's like a a real problem there particularly in foreign policy I think that they're gonna there are an awful lot of countries that are like all right, fine we'll wait for this weird four years to be over and then we'll have a normal person back in and we can deal with it Uh, and that's an unusual situation to be in because America are now going to have to if were Trump to get back in deal with the fact that okay this is a real thing that's gonna happen in America people can't sign treaties with them people can't like plan ahead a decade with them because they don't know who's going to be in. Like these things are not going to be respected. That's a major problem. What the Democrats are looking at now is they kind of say, well, no, this was an aberration, which I, to an extent I agree with. Like, I think that there are, there are things that you can, you can do and say, it is weird that Trump won in 2016. And it is like, he should not have won. It is weird. Like, pure mathematics, no. he, he didn't win. He actually lost by three million votes. Like, it's kind of crazy. Yeah, yeah, when of you course. think about it. Like, oh, no, no, three million more people voted the other person. But there was this weird quirk in a few key states that meant that he didn't win. Well, sorry, that meant that he did win and there right. he did not win. So I also think, like, the Democrats aren't necessarily wrong because there's also a shift, like, I'm going to get into the numbers here, but there's also a shift happening in certain states that means that they're not wrong if they can hold on right okay well let's 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 set this whole thing up here, which
0: is that like if you if I had to pick a couple of things that happened in twenty sixteen that like sort of defined that election cycle, I would say, um huge amounts of misinformation on online platforms, and those platforms were like pretty. Pretty bad. I, th- I think I would say bad.
1: border borderline negligent. Negligent. They were rewarding it. That was the major thing. Like yes, people were incentivized to produce information, misinformation by the platform.
0: So you got yeah. that going on, and then you also have you have a Democratic Party that is trying to operate like everything's normal and everything's fine, and not really getting the wind change in the country that was sort of happening. I wouldn't say because of Facebook. Like, I, I actually don't think like Facebook turned everyone's uncle into a neo-Nazi. But I think that like there were cultural forces that were being amplified and directed, and and it was sort of like a, a back and forth process, right? So you've got that happening. You have the culture
1: shift. Facebook was the accelerator, right? Yes,
0: exactly. But the gas is still leaking yeah. out, right? So you have the plot. You have neglig- negligent platforms, a democratic party that refuses to admit what is actually happening in the country, a huge culture shift that's happening in the country, and then also. I think you have a young generation that just feels like they're not being listened to or taken seriously. And it all sort of collides for me with Pokemon go to the polls. Cause like that to me is sort of the way I, that's like the uh, the inflection point of all of these things at once, which is just like, no one knows you're just, you're not taking any of this seriously. And then when I, I look at the landscape of 2020, almost all of these same forces are still happening. You have Joe Biden, who is like doing a weird music video with his dad's, convertible or whatever it was a couple weeks that ago. That was great. That was so
1: good. My dad.
0: My dad he really knew how to
1: drive a car.
0: My daddy really likes to fuck cars and I want to fuck a car just like my dad. You know, great. That's- it was not
1: that He just said, my dad, he really knew how to drive a car. And <laughs> it's like, oh, that's just all yeah, right, great. Like what is like uh, so <laughs> does mine. Yeah. <laughs> that's I, I know many
0: people who can drive cars. I love cars. Yeah. I love to drive cars. Wow. That's great. Thanks, Joe. And like you know, it looks like, yeah, I mean, the poor guy, <laughs> like, look, they look at him. But then you also have, like, another cultural shift happening where instead of the country going towards the right, they're now going to, like, whatever direction everyone being a conspiracy whack job is, right? Like, we're almost, like, past left and right into, into this, like, new landscape of just, like, everyone's, de- like, uh, Alex Jones.
1: Okay, so I'm gonna throw a thing in here, which is, have you heard of the Lizard Man's constant?
0: I have not heard okay. of that.
1: So, the Lizard Man's constant is the idea that, regardless of what poll you do, what survey you do, three percent of people are gonna say yes. I believe that doesn't matter how batshit it is. Like that's ju- that's just what people do because some of them are pranksters, some of them are the sort of people who, if you say something crazy, they're like, "Yeah, that sounds right." Like there are there are a bunch of people who do that, and the Lizard Man's constant is considered about three percent, basically. Whatever you say, if you know, if you say is the moon made of cheese, three percent of people go like, yeah, probably. Like, that's I actually awesome.
0: watched a video of the Wallace and Gromit scene where they <laughs> cut up the moon and eat, turn it into cheese. It's good, and evidence. it's like crazy how delicious they make the moon right. cheese look. Exactly,
1: yeah. it's good moon cheese. Um So, and what I think is when you look at a lot of these polls, like particularly the QAnon stuff, like there isn't over sampling of them and i think that a lot of it comes down to this kind of lizard man's constant like if you say to people like one of the big questions things that went out last week was 27 of the of americans said like they believed in QAnon. except when you got into it it was like 27 percent of people believed that uh there are elites who are uh, have control undemocratically and it's like i mean bitch me too that's crazy <laughs> that's true like that's that's basically that's that's henry kissinger that's uh FBI Hoover, like that's, there's a bunch of people who like that's just, obviously that's true, it's fine.
0: that's totally happening, yeah yeah,
1: and I think that kind of comes around to, to the same thing where I think we can oversample the idea that you know a lot of people believe in this because they're very vocal and you know we can now see them on social media. and I personally think that I, basically I'm coming at this whole thing from a different direction, which is that I think that this is more normal than we think it is, and it will look much more normal in 20 years time. What's more normal? All of this I think what is this? what what I no think,
0: you got to define what your what like what i whole... mean
1: is i think the trump aberration will look more normal like it's a, a it's a spasm of a dying society like that's what it is like you get these moments where you know everything's moving in a single direction and then suddenly through a quirk of an electoral system through a bit of anger everything gets very, very weird in a very short period of time. And then he goes like, no, no, we actually do understand the direction we're going in.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think that's true. You and I had these conversations four years ago, actually. Uh, we did. Right after Brexit. Because, like, I was in London for Brexit, and it was not a good time. It was weird. Uh, it was really weird. Um, but I think once that happened, you and I, our conversations at the pub started to get a lot darker. But also... It started to get. I, I feel like we immediately kind of clocked that this wasn't gonna be as. I don't want to. I'm trying to. I'm having trouble actually explaining this. Like,
1: it's the idea of this too shall pass. Like,
0: yeah, and I don't want to. But I guess what I don't want to do is I don't want to downplay the immediate effects of the Trump administration for anyone who's listening to this. No. You know, I I'm aware that like we have a, an amount of privilege. I mean, you especially because you're not American. You know, to say like. The Trump administration and its negative effects will pass is fine as long as you're not directly in like, you know, the uh, the flight path. Right. And but that but that being said, I do think I do think that a lot of the stuff that's being like bandied about as like being brand new in the Trump era isn't actually new at all. Not at all. And it's sort of a core part of American identity. Like, a crazy rich man conned a bunch of people into doing a thing, and we all had to, like, go along with it for a <laughs> while, and then, like, we're going to decide not to do that anymore? That literally happens, like, every 10 years in this country.
1: Yeah, exactly. You go back through some of the bad presidents that the U.S. has had, and the bad candidates. Like, Barry Goldwater, like, got heavily beaten, but that was kind of because the country was less partisan at that time. But he was off the reservation. Like, he was not a good dude and you go through some of the others um warren harding warren harding is probably a really good example of just being a very bad president a bad president who didn't give a shit and made bad decisions in office uh and there's lots of these different people like he was yeah you go back through all of these presidents like i mean you elected nixon at one point like we sure <laughs> did you're like, oh you you did nixon you did a nixon thing and there is not actually any proof that trump is doing anything worse than nixon yes
0: i would agree he says a lot of dumb bullshit and he yeah. tweets a lot of dumb bullshit but and i guess that's like part of the problem too and i don't know what the answer is to this because i don't want to get i don't want to go into like a whole like we need to fix the media the way it covers trump thing because like that's so boring and no one gives a shit but like you know you and i were talking about the desipposito thing from this week Man. and it's like a perfect it's a perfect example of how we're still doing the same shit around donald Trump's nonsense four years later and it's just like when are we gonna learn so for those who are listening who don't follow all the stupid machinations (laughs) of donald trump uh luke can you do like a rundown of, of what
1: happened this week so oh god jesus it's it's so dumb so biden he's having a real problem with the Latino voters, like real, problem, really bad, really real problems, with Hispanic voters. And weirdly, he's still doing OK in Florida because all the old people decided they don't like Trump anymore, which is fine. OK, we'll deal Great. with that. Um, but yeah, he's having a real problem with the Latino voters. So he goes out, he's introduced by uh, uh, Lewis Fonsi, like that's his introductory person, which fine. And then he walks out and goes like, hang on one minute and then lifts his phone up and plays Desposito into, like, the microphone of the... Which is like, come on, man. It's, like, we're talking, you know, talk... what That song's, like, what, two years old? Yeah, it's pretty two- really old. Like, it's I a haven't song. thought about <laughs> Despacito.
0: I mean, oh, it's a great song. I still think that song slaps, but I haven't thought about that song in, like, at least two years.
1: Yeah, it's crazy. I don't understand why they're why he's playing it. Why he thought it was a good idea? Why anyone was like, yeah, no, this 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 is the sort of thing you should do.
0: Pokemon go to the polls. Right, it's that's exactly why. that. It's this. Thing that's of,
1: exactly it. It's exactly thing of pandering. But at the same time, this is where I come up to the other thing of like, yeah, of course you should pander. Like, it's fine. It's embarrassing for everyone. And also, Joe Biden playing Desposito out of his phone into a into a mic into a, a PA system is going to make absolutely no difference to anyone's vote. And Hillary Clinton saying Pokemon Go to the polls made absolutely no difference to anyone's vote.
0: No, and I I, I guess that that is important. Oh wait, but l- finish the story. Then what did Trump do?
1: Oh, uh, Trump then switched it up with uh, NWA's "Fuck the Police" uh, and retweeted someone doing replacing the song with "Fuck the Police" in a. And Twitter has refused
0: to take it down has now labeled it manipulated media. And once again, the four things that we talked about just a couple seconds ago are all still goddamn happening. Negligent platform, Pokemon go to the polls, Democrats thinking it's fucking 1998 again and donald trump just doing whatever the hell he wants and the country getting angrier and angrier it's like we i i feel crazy i i I feel totally crazy thinking about all
1: of this stuff one thing that i have a lot of questions about is like what happens to a post-presidency trump whether it's now or whether it's in four years like,
0: well, I imagine he immediately leaves the country so that he's not arrested, like on the spot,
1: right? <laughs> no, oh no, no, no. If Biden gets the presidency, he will immediately give him a pardon for all, everything. Like, a yeah, I think so. that is a sensible thing to do. You just go like, we're not going to touch it because there's just no reason to. My question though yes. is like, how long does it take him to get banned from Twitter? Because at that point, he stops having a newsworthy Twitter feed. Well, and the thing that they, because that's what they're relying on for like four years. They're like, but it's fine. We have to let him be on the platform because he's newsworthy. So here's the thing. I don't know
0: if. So, okay. Uh, for those listening who don't know this, Twitter has like a pretty specific uh, policy around world leaders. It's a lot more nuanced than it used to be, but it's still really, really bad. Uh, in fact, I have had some really bizarre conversations with people at Twitter about this, where like the newsworthiness of a world leader basically allows them to do whatever they feel like on the platform because it's considered uh, better. To have the president have an unfiltered access to the pockets of every citizen in America than not, right? So, like, if Donald Trump were to literally threaten civil war, that tweet would not come down because it's considered too newsworthy. I get the argument. Yeah, okay. It but is, at the same it time— is, It is
1: super weird that a private company would be able to go— well, Actually, I know they're public now, aren't they? But, but uh, it's super still, weird that a company would be able to go, like, we are not going to let the president do this. Because their president is Facebook. If Facebook do the same thing, then it's like, well, how does the president get a message out? That's super weird. Like, you'd have to go through traditional methods, which, fine,
0: but— Although I will say, like, as a thought experiment, like, if the president went into a McDonald's and started taking a shit on the floor, is it unacceptable for the McDonald's to say, like, Mr. President, please stop taking a shit on our floor? Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> like like see like if the pre- if the president was like let's make freaking lose it guys jumps up on the counter and just takes a huge dump and the and the manager of the store is like please mr president don't do that is that is that crazy i mean here's a
1: question if the manager attempted to push him out would he be murdered by the secret service
0: I think that like when it comes to these arguments about platforms I always like to pretend that the platform is a mall and it's like okay so whatever the platform's arguing if a mall wouldn't allow you to do it why is it okay to do it
1: on the internet, right? So I mean, I guess the counter-argument know, kind of to that is like there's a lot of malls. You mean a lot of different kinds of malls? No, there's just like, a lot of different malls. Like, if the president was banned from every every rally venue that had more than like a thousand that could fit more than a thousand people, which you know he should be because of for various mask based reasons, but was where he to, were there like to be an organization? They were like, hey, okay, you're not allowed to go into any space that's more than a thousand that can. Fit more than other people. You're not allowed to have large rallies anymore. We are a private company. If we decided this is not a thing you're allowed to do. That would be bad.
0: But also, that was to- that's totally within the rights of the uh, the auditorium company or whatever.
1: Yeah, it is. And this is, but this is where this gets like really rough. And obviously, in that situation, you know, you, he'd go and find a big field or something. But yeah, there would yes. be something weird to say. Hey, you're actually not allowed to have large rallies anymore. We've just decided, as a private company, no one can stop us. No one can can have any comeback against us, we've just decided this is going to be a thing now. Right.
0: And and ultimately like these questions are important, but like there are no answers to them yet. No. But I do feel like we should all agree to like stop taking the bait when he puts up like like I also think that like we don't need to cover any president deciding to put like a meme up. Like people don't really remember this, but like Obama had a really, really slick Instagram account. And yeah. it wasn't like we were constantly writing about what filters he was using or what his... I mean, sometimes, but not
1: Because it wasn't constant. weird. It wasn't weird. He was a brand. He was an effective corporate brand, which is the yes. same thing that Hillary was, which is... Just, and I would argue but, it's the same thing that Trump's doing.
0: It's just that Trump's brand is grotesque and, like, kind of monstrous. No,
1: no, no. He has a brand, but it's not a corporate brand. Oh, you know, yeah. Yeah, like yeah. Her, her... like. Hillary's brand was very much the corporate Democrat brand, which is why, you know, it fits into the idea of oh, Pokemon go to the polls and dancing on Ellen and all the other nonsense she did. Oh, wait, no, uh, my favorite, which is Hillary
0: Clinton going on Vine and posting, the, <laughs> hey, it's Hillary just chilling at Cedar Rapids. Um, oh, God. Is...
1: I'm just chilling in Cedar Rapids. That feels like a thousand years ago. It's crazy that was 5 years ago.
0: So, I want so I wanted to like try to like center this episode around Hillary's <laughs> social media from 2016 because I feel like we still actually we- we've done so much processing of like Russian intervention and, you know, the radicalization of platforms, but like we really haven't talked about that like Hillary's social media kind of also invented the modern age and like the well- chilling at Cedar Rapids Vine is so awful and awkward. And you guys are going to hear the audio of it in this episode. Even the audio is awful because she's clearly like in a windy, like, like park or something in Cedar Rapids, and it's like on her phone, you know, yeah. mic, and it's just like, <laughs> Hillary here chilling at Cedar Rapids,
1: <laughs> which is it's... exactly what someone would do in 2016 when like things were less slick than we thought they were. Like, if you go back to stuff that was produced in 2016, it's all pretty disgusting.
0: And what's crazy is that like. Trump was considered, you know, for better or worse, revolutionary because his was so underproduced. It made, like—because it made Obama's social—and this is a theory that I've had for a long time, which is that the, like, rough—the, like, rough aesthetic of Trump's social media made Obama's social media and, like, the general DNC social media, which was, like, incredibly slick and corporate, look creepy.
1: I mean, so— I have just scrolled back on obama's instagram, which i don't i don't know why anyone would have done that, but it is wild like if you go back to early stages i'm gonna i'm gonna send you like this is the most retro like thing that I've seen in a long time, and it's given me proper twenty two thousand and eight vibes. See so this is a screenshot. do you remember the era when Instagram was all like had borders? yes right yeah so look at this screenshot i actually once had like a really
0: crazy conversation with instagram like head of community or whatever and i was like instagram needs to be better at like posting news content or whatever it was and the guy was like no, Instagram is the museum of your life. And that's what we really think the core product is. And I'm pretty sure this was right after it got bought by Facebook. And like that mentality did not stick
1: around inside the company very long. <laughs> okay. But yeah, what well, the thing I've just sent to you is it is six photos from the 2012 campaign. So I didn't see that. Okay. That's okay I'm, I'm opening now. Oh. Oh. Right. It's still oh, incredibly 2012. Okay. Wait. Let me explain. Let me. Ex- this
0: is so wild. Uh, okay. So. The first one is uh, Michelle Obama, and it's got that, like, fake Polaroid border. And then the next picture is the forward banner, and it's, like, clearly put in an Instagram filter. In fact, all of these photos have Instagram filters. Heavily filtered. But the two photos in here that are, like, so wild to look at now are the two, the the, the other two, which are in that weird, like, vignette cutout frame. Oh, my gosh. And this was like, this was considered like, you know, books were written about this. This was This was like, this was huge. And what's crazy now is that like, it all looks both extremely amateurish and like dated, but also compared to Trump's
1: thing, it's so boring. It's incredibly boring. There is not a single interesting photo in here, other than the fact that like, every ninth photo has the fake Polaroid thing with like, RVP100 in like, that weird dot font at the top oh man i've just i've seen one on here that has the um the border where it's like scrubbed out as though you've like taken a bit of tape off the top of it
0: oh my god it's so good that's what's so crazy to think about is that like the internet used to be important people being extremely boring and normal people being like absolute wild fucking assholes and there was like this agreement that like you would not punch down and and it was sort of like a um like a public execution kind of vibe you know like all of us (laughs) in the crowd got to like scream and yell and be lunatics and all the rich people had to take it and then trump's big sort of trick or sort of big revelation was to be like no i'm also going to be a screaming maniac and you're just gonna you're gonna have to deal with that and turns out that's fascism because <laughs> <laughs> uh, like now every celebrity and every rich person does it they all I mean literally right now as you're recording this Kanye West is pissing on his Grammy so like you know the whole world is kind of spun out and it's so weird that the, the Democrats are acting like that didn't happen which makes me feel crazy
1: it makes me feel crazy but it also I do think this was this weird burst of time <laughs> I think Kanye West would have done damage in this election in 2016. I don't think he's going to this year, partly because he I think hasn't got on the ballot. But like, there would have been a thing around him in 20, 2016. And I, I do think part of that's the algorithm, part of that is just changing things. But I also think that you know a chunk of people are more, the vast majority of people are more aware and more like, okay, this is going to be bad. I don't think this is good. And I think that people are more like familiar with this stuff. Like, Yeah, you don't get, I mean, I think... Baited into it with this weird anti anti polish.
0: I think that's true. I mean, so I've been quarantined for the last couple of months, like up with friends and family outside of New York City, up in Massachusetts, and I'm spending a lot more time with non media
1: savvy millennials,
0: <laughs> and the conversations I've been having are interesting. Wait, because sorry,
1: are you spending time with millennials who aren't media savvy, or non millennials, non media savvies? Easy, both actually.
0: Nice. <laughs> Uh, I guess we can call them normies. I'm hanging out with normies. <laughs> it does feel like more and more members of the American media and members of the American political class are fighting a like simulation, like Fortnite-style video game inside of Twitter all day that is having actual no real impact on how normal people see things. And and I guess like as much as I get frustrated with the Democratic Party Pokemon going to the polls constantly. I do sort of think that maybe that's a good thing because the Trump world nonsense
1: doesn't really seem to be breaking through as much as it used to. I mean, yeah, he does a crazy thing. Okay, here's a question for you. When did you turn off the Trump tweet notifications on your phone?
0: Oh, okay. So, yeah, I had them, uh, which was Same. a really crazy, awful idea. I turned them off last summer, probably.
1: Wow, okay. That's a long time.
0: I, I don't think I I think I've had them off for almost a year. Okay. Because it was one, it was killing my battery. Uh and two, nothing that Trump does is in and of itself really the focus. It by last summer he'd, like, he had like he starts the snowball, but he's not the avalanche. And the avalanche is a lot more interesting, I mean, editorially, I think, to write about than whatever dumb his his Twitter feed's kinda of boring sometimes, to be honest.
1: I had the exact same thing. I turn them off part way through the midterms uh and the reason i turned them off was because it was really it became super clear that what he was saying was not having any any impact on the race like he'd go off about someone and i'd be like wow that's interesting they're going to do better in the polls in the next like week and they'd watch it and they would just do nothing not not it would go wouldn't go up wouldn't go down which had nothing no effect and that was kind of when i was like oh i think what's happening is that people are starting to like be overwhelmed with it and they're just like yeah no he says a lot of crazy stuff on twitter i don't care and you know, yeah. it's the supporters and the uh, opponents, Don't, no one cares. It's like, fine, you say a lot of crazy stuff, it doesn't matter. And this is kind of it, you can't bottle lightning twice.
0: No, I mean, that's why everyone's getting more and more nervous that he's going to, like, throw a coup. Because it does seem more and more likely that people just, like, aren't as interested, like, his shtick isn't as interesting. And his, I also think there's an effect that happens when, like, with anything, like, even musicians or whatever, or, like, a fandom, where the more intense your fans get, the more creeped out normal people get. Right, this is the
1: uh this is the Corbin effect.
0: Uh but it, this is the Steven Universe effect. This is this is any sort of thing where, you know, it's totally it's it hasn't changed, but its fandom has become a lot more evangelical and crazy and normal people are like I don't really want to associate with those people cuz they creep me out. Um J- Jeremy yeah. Corbin, yes, definitely. That I, was a, I,
1: definitely. I think that was thing. the fans, but he also had a separate thing which is the same as the Trump thing which is the Claremont Review of Books called the 2016 election the Flight 93 election, which was a gross way of putting it. But the idea being like, this is it, it's now. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's that's now. horrible. Yeah, it's really awful. But it's kind of, the, the idea is it's a this is it, now or never election. But the thing is, you can't do that twice. You can't say it's a now or never election because it happened once already. Like, it's not now or right. never, it was last time. And Corbyn had the same thing, I think, in, in 2017, where he was like, this is it. We can actually make a thing happen. And it was summer and it was a good summer. It was very warm. Everyone's outside and it was like, oh my God, this is amazing. Like, that's why you don't have a June election because your campaigning's late night and out in the summer. And everyone's like, yeah, I believe in optimism. And then, you know, two and a half years later, we have an election in the winter and everyone's like, well, no, we tried that last time. We tried to rush the cab and it didn't work. We'll do the other thing now. And you can't do that more than once. And I think that's kind of what he's coming up against now is, that, yeah, you you can't you can't ball lightning twice. You can't rush the happen twice. They've done it.
0: Yeah, I would agree with that. And I also think that like people are normal people are. I mean, if that concept even exists, <laughs> like the idea of the normal person. But I think let's say the average American is. It's getting harder and harder to say that things are good. Uh, for very obvious sure. reasons. <laughs> um. And I just think that, like... here
1: is there's a pandemic
0: on. I, I've heard that, yeah. Um, well, I mean, there, there's, there's been a lot written already about this, but the the meta campaign that Trump is running almost, like, against himself...
1: Yeah, like, how he's blaming Biden for the disasters right. for befalling the country.
0: And, like, part of me wants, like, Biden to get into it and be like, you know, don't make the mistakes of Hillary and, like, don't be respectable and, like, fight him. But then the other part of me is like, no, don't fight him because then you... You're not gonna win, and two, like you're by holding back and like and be acting like things are normal and that we're gonna all go back to the way things were. That it could work, maybe. And I, I have this like I have this sense of optimism, and then that like makes me scared because I don't know how to feel optimistic anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it makes yeah,
1: me nervous. Equally, like being optimistic for Joe Biden is also depressing in itself. Yeah,
0: man, it's rough. I mean, you know, we've spent the entire time coming back to pokemon go to the polls but like the dude is running ads inside of animal crossing right now
1: it's a good show it's fine it's it's (laughs) it's one of these things i'm just like this is harmless no one is changing their minds either way around it's i used to work in advertising and part of the the deal was it it didn't really matter often how many what ads people saw like what converted them it was just like seeing them enough that yeah by the time they'd seen twenty, they were like, "Oh, I just understand this thing now. I'm a, I'm on board with this thing because I've just seen it enough." And that feels like a little bit like what it's trying to do. seems like, also a waste like of
0: money I mean, I think it's a, I think it's probably a waste of money. Yeah. It's cute, it's fine, but also, can you imagine being an undecided voter in twenty <laughs> <Can you>, twenty? <laughs> can you imagine being like the person, like, well, I'm pretty on the fence. Like that just seems like such a crazy idea.
1: I mean, this is it. Like, there's someone who's going to go to the polls and be, and be like, hmm. My single issue, which is gonna be something mad, like, I think uh property taxes should be lower in the suburbs but higher in the city. And they're gonna go they're gonna look this up and be like, this guy seems close, so I'm gonna vote for them. And they haven't spent paid any attention to the last four years. God, I would love to be that person.
0: I would yeah. love to be the person that walks in the polling center in a month and is just like, hmm, this Trump guy, what's his deal? <laughs> <laughs> it would like, be so good like can you imagine <laughs> oh. every now so, and uh, every
1: now and again they do polls like last year when it was getting very intense about brexit they do polls and it would be like one percent of people would be like and brexit what is this <laughs> <laughs> and it's like oh, oh my god i want to be you
0: <laughs> what uh what's what's biden running on what's his <laughs> what, what's his deal I mean, that sounds really nice. I mean, that sounds like an incredibly nice way to live. If there's anyone out there who has no idea what's been going on the last four years, congrats. Like you, you made it. Um, So to wrap this all up, I think we should make a prediction. We should, we should, we should, we should see how right or wrong we get this. Um, So Luke, how do you think this election is going to turn out?
1: I think it's going to be a landslide for Biden. A landslide for Biden. A landslide for Biden. Um. I can I can put the logic behind it, but if you want the, the deep version you should go to my you should go to my newsletter, explaining twenty twenty dot dot com. but no, I think that I think that there's a few things that mean that it's it is very friendly for Biden. Uh the big ones being that there aren't many undecided voters. I read about it the other day, but there just aren't many undecided voters. It was basically this time last in twenty sixteen, uh one in five people were still undecided. And this time around, it's like six percent of people, seven percent of people. It's just way lower than that. Yeah, uh, which means I don't think it's going to be a big swing. I also think that, unless, assuming there's not a vaccine, and this is a possibility, which is you know in in uh, late October, Trump goes, oh, actually, there's a vaccine. We sorted, and he gets a, a bump out of it from that. I think that his support is going to ebb away. I don't see why people would be enthusiastic about it, like. A big part of what you want is you want to go into these two weeks hot, but I think that Trump has used up every single bit of ammunition he he could use over the last four years. So everything, like, what could he really say that would make you shocked now? Like, there's a not a lot. I mean, I guess he could like, he could threaten to kill Biden. Right. I guess that would be the next, the last thing. To do that, he would have to be so far out of what people are going to do. Eventually people are going to be like, I'm sorry. No, that's not, that's too far. So I think that he is going to end up yeah, losing support, and I think that not only is Biden going to win the landslide, I think Biden is going to win Texas.
0: Well, the demographics are going to be interesting because the virus has basically rearranged the denseness of the country. Um, I was reading like a whole thing about how many people have died and been evicted and left New York City, and whether New York could go red this year. Because New York City is kind of the only thing that keeps the state blue. No, no, um, the, oh,
1: no. <laughs> Those numbers don't add up. I'm sorry, I don't know where you are, but those numbers do not add up. Hey, most people <laughs> listening to this podcast know
0: I'm not very good at math. <laughs> uh, that's why I keep things on the uh, the con the conceptual side, not the the mathematical side. <laughs> My prediction is it won't be a landslide. I don't. I, I sort of have this hunch that landslides don't happen anymore in the age of the internet. Sure. I think there's going to be a lot of cheating. Um, I think there's going to be a lot of like voter suppression and all kinds of things like that. I think Biden will just barely win. I think Trump will spend all of the time between November and January doing every insane, crazy thing he can do to undermine the transfer of power. I don't think he's going to throw a coup um, because I don't think he's. I don't think he wants that. To be honest, I don't think he. He I, still I, I does scr- not want to president. My, I, subscri- I subscribe never to, that to be president. Th- I subscribe to that theory as well. I don't think he actually wants to be president. I don't think he really wants to win again. I think he is trying to figure out a way to lose while looking like he's winning because he's also a sociopath, so he wants to look like he can win. I think he will do the most damage of his presidency though in the period of time between November and January. Absolutely. And I think he will create I, I-, I think we'll probably look back and be like, oh, like, we're not a healthy country anymore, and we might never become a healthy country again I mean, because I, of the way the transfer of power
1: works. I think it's worth remembering that like a big part of the damage that Trump's done is probably in the judiciary, because he's he put so many judges in. I, I don't know how the Obama administration left so many judgeships open, but he has been filling them for four years up and down the country on every level. Like Yes, I mean, he's going, rotted out... It is going to take two decades for that stuff to get cleared out.
0: He's rotted out the whole country. Like, even if Biden comes in in January and even if they come on in and, you know, we get a vaccine in July and everything almost feels like it's going back to normal. The country is so fundamentally broken, like things just don't work and they and. That are not gonna work for a long time because we have a lot of really bad people who are now part of the government. Like we basically have like, <laughs> you know, the, the the whole thing is like America is an oligarchy, and it's like, well, we, we we have a we have a kleptocracy now. We have a we have a we have a government run by like crooks and con artists and grifters, and that's not gonna go away uh, anytime soon, unfortunately. Yep, um, sounds right. And like we're we're about to get like a shitload of QAnon people into like local and like state government and stuff.
1: I'm a huge I. I'm fascinated to see how that pans out. Like what happens if you're a QAnon person in government? I, 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 so much of this doesn't make any sense to me because like you're a QAnon person, you're in Congress and you believe that Nancy Pelosi is a Satanist who eat ba- eats babies. Like how do you end up on a committee? Like
0: what do you well, do? I, I think it's very simple. You grind the government to a halt. You perpetuate all the crazy bullshit from Q because it gives you power and it, you know, it allows you to do nothing. And what it really is, is it's, it's, it's just an anti-democratic movement. Like all the Q followers want to do is have a military like execution of all of the politicians. Right. So like they don't really care if they immediately discover that there isn't a cabal (laughs) of Satanists running the country. They're still going to say it is because they're just trying to, you know, yeah. gain power in this weird, like bucket of crabs situation.
1: It's true. I guess Jesus.
0: Yeah. So, uh, that's my prediction is, uh, the country's screwed up, uh, but Biden will win and we're going to fight about it for the rest of our lives. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we can all hang out, uh, at Joe Biden's animal crossing Island,
1: uh, until then. No, you know, what's going to mm-hmm. happen is, uh, Donald Trump Jr. is going to try and run in 2024. He's going to not get the Republican nomination because they're all like, okay, that was that was bad for all of us. And he is then going to run as a third-party candidate and draw like 5% off the vote for the Republicans. And there's going to be an enormous landslide in 2024 for no apparent reason.
0: So so actually, that's interesting. I have read a lot of good stuff that has been arguing that like the biggest legacy of this period of time isn't the destruction of the Democratic Party, but it's like... There is just no more Republican Party because it gets split into the QAnon party, the Tea Party, and like the Trump party. And none of them work together anymore because after Trump loses, they, it all just shatters. And that could, that could be, you know?
1: That's true. If you had a better electoral system, that would be a problem. You'd have your own the Republican Change UK. Uh, right. But no. I mean, that you, they've got to get together again. That's how this dumb system works.
0: Yeah, I mean, until it doesn't anymore, I suppose. Yeah, um, true. So, Luke, what content have you been consuming to stay sane this week? I have finished the Tottenham documentary this week. Oh, that's great. That's a great update for our listeners. <laughs> How was it?
1: Um, Awful, come to think of it. Uh, it's um, it's not <laughs> a g- when we when
0: we when we last checked in with you, you were watching a documentary about the Tottenham Football Club, and it was a season from last year or last season, it was last season, which was not not a very good season. No, I documentary, anyways. Out. Um, oh, okay,
1: but no, it was, it, was, it, was, it was the last three episodes I watched this week, which includes the moment when they stopped the Premier League for the first time in well, the first time in 30 years, but they stopped top flight football for the first time since the Second World War. It's a huge thing. It's like, and like, that's fascinating. I want to see like how elite athletes train if they can't come into the, into like the training center, like how they're managing it. And, and they have this, there is a really fascinating period where there's kind of this two week block where they're like, oh, we're, we're elbow bumping. This is going to help. This is going to help. Oh, right. Yeah. And it's like, nah, it's not. There's one point uh, um, uh, a physio goes, oh, what's going to be next? We'll have to like forehead bump. And I'm like, no, that's the opposite. Don't do that.
0: Yeah, yeah. Let's get our mouths real close together. That sounds yeah. cool.
1: But rather than doing what I think would have been a fascinating couple of episodes on like what happens, how the football works out, like how you run this sort of thing during a pandemic, they basically go like, and they're into lockdown. And then two months later, it's like, we're out of lockdown. And i like, oh, what? Oh.
0: That's like the most interesting they part of it. They skipped
1: two months and just went like, yeah, not locked lockdown. Also I mean that's that's I, what
0: history books are gonna do, I think. Also, I don't know if They're I mentioned just,
1: this last time, but the whole thing's narrated by Tom Hardy. You did not mention that. No. At it's narrated all. by Tom Hardy, uh, in what I assume is his real voice. Because obviously he doesn't have a voice, like No, no, he doesn't. All his voices are borrowed. But yeah, it's like this half North London voice. He's, I'm I, Tom
0: I'm Tom Hardy.
1: It's very strange, but um
0: Oh I'm Tom Hardy. I like dogs. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh all right
0: geezer <laughs> exactly. uh, well, this is him
1: this is what he's trying to do and trying to be like yeah yeah i watch football i'm like man you went to like acting school and you're not actually from london so is he not is he not from london i don't think so he's from somewhere. but like this is the problem. he doesn't have a real accent and his accent's from a different place every time is that why he's always trying to hide his face because he his accent doesn't match his face Wait no, because he has like fifteen different accents in every movie you watch. But also, like, fine, I understand how it works when he's an act, when he's like an actor and he does puts different accents on. But when you see him into having interviews, his in in every interview he has a different accent. He's from Hammersmith, yeah. He's from Hammersmith, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sort of uh, London, I don't know. Hammersmith, London. It, it that it's not North it, London, so I don't know why he's narrating a documentary about Tottenham. Anyway, that's not the point. Um, <laughs> Oh uh, okay. what content have you been consuming to stay sane this week
0: uh that's a good question um oh uh i had a fun experience uh i watched um a south korean zombie movie called alive or hashtag alive it's like one of the top movies on netflix right now it's uh about tell me if that sounds familiar about a guy who gets trapped inside of his apartment and can't leave it because the outside is full <laughs> of a disease that's making people sick and turn into zombies yeah um, that, that sounds familiar <laughs> and it's uh it's 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 a little close to home um but uh my dad watched it with me and he's never seen a south korean zombie movie before and he it was really funny because he was like wow south korean zombies are pretty fast huh <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, yeah, they are pretty fast. And he's like, oh, they're, they're all twitchy and stuff too. I was like, yeah, they twitch and they run. And he's like, oh, that's pretty good. And he's like, you know, he's one of those people who's like, I'm not going to watch something with subtitles. Um, but he got completely sucked in. Um, so we're one step closer to me getting him to watch Parasite and uh learn about class consciousness. So we're we're, we're getting close, <laughs> um, yeah. That, that, that would be that progress. But I, I highly recommend if you would like to see uh, a fun escapist fantasy about uh being trapped in your apartment for weeks on end <laughs> with nothing to do as you slowly starve to death, um, definitely check it out. <laughs> That's cool, yeah. I'd love to, I'd love to experience that one way I what would, would be love- like. I wonder what that would be like to uh, wear sweatpants for several months and not go (laughs) outside. No idea. Um, Thank you guys for contributing to the Patreon. Uh, It has definitely been really fun to connect with you guys and make stuff for you. Uh, This week, we have a second episode of our Patreon-exclusive podcast series, Post-Post-Credit Scene. We were going to have a whole. We had a whole plan for this, <laughs> uh, and then
1: we uh, delayed it because we delayed it because we are very easily swayed by peer pressure.
0: Yes, we are very easily swayed by peer pressure. And one of our patrons, JJ Keith, suggested we do a big fight about the new Star Wars trilogy. Yes. Luke and I thought we had similar opinions about it, and then we talked about it and realized that we have very different opinions about it. So. We're going to go fight about that over in our other podcast. Um, <laughs> if uh, you guys have any more sort of like fandom arguments you would like to see us play out for your pleasure, uh, we will battle them out for you uh, <laughs> like, uh, like you know, Roman uh, gladiators. Um, but if not, we'll, we'll go back to our original plan. But uh, definitely... Talking to us, send us messages. Uh, It's really, really fun to connect with you guys, and thank you for throwing in some money. It lets us uh, kind of like make this a a job, which is kind of fun. (laughs) So it's uh, the the more more you guys chip in, the the bigger and better this gets. Um, Luke, do you uh, do you have any last things to say to our, our wonderful audience? Pokemon, go to the polls. Pokemon, go to the polls, baby.